Hello, and welcome to the 52nd episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. You just cracked. I just moved my arm straight out. (laughs) I feel so bad for you. I didn't realize how old you had gotten until we started doing this podcast, and I have to edit out all these cracks. Cracking isn't bad. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't? It doesn't mean that you're falling apart because no. you're cracking? No. Every time you move, you crack. No. and, and Like, like cra- Humpty Dumpty. Cracking your knuckles being bad for you is a wife's tale. Well, I know that. I've heard that. Remember? Because you're a wife and you have tails. Oh, and I'm old. Speaking of tail, how's your tailbone? How's your butt? Oh, that was a great segue into asking about my butt. I love it. I didn't plan it. It just kind of happened. Yeah. No, I definitely broke my tailbone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am in a lot of excruciating pain most of the time. So, you know, there's my life. I expect you to heal properly, but you'll end up looking like that character from Shallow Howl. That was from Seinfeld. What's his name? The uh, actor. Oh, Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. And he reveals that he has a tail. Oh, that's kind of what I feel like. Just this wiggling tail. Floating around everywhere. I'd still stay married to you if you had a tail. You're so sweet. Like Jason Alexander in Shallow Hell. God, I wish I was as sweet as you. No, but um, there's nothing they can do for a broken tailbone except for give you drugs. So I am taking ibuprofen. And heroin. Like candy. (laughs) No no heroin. Oh, okay. No, that was not prescribed. You didn't go to a doctor. I asked if you I know you are my doctor. Yes, we play doctor. You are the doctor that I'm talking about because I don't like going to the doctor. Who does? You know why? Because they just tell you everything that's wrong with you is because you're chubby. No, because they tell you they don't have time. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we'll make an appointment for three months from now. That's uh, why. Like, well, your tailbone is broken and you need to lose about 10 or 15 more pounds. If you weren't such a fat ass, you wouldn't have slid <laughs> off your, off the ground and landed on your butt. That's, uh, that's what they're... I don't think they're going to tell you that. Probably not. They're just going to say there's nothing they can do. I Googled it. I'm, you know, WebMD'd it. Ma'am. There's nothing I can do. Ma'am, you're on the chart <laughs> for being um, morbidly obese. BMI is a little on the high side. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, what are you going to do? This is already way too much. It is. About, I don't remember. How did we get on this subject? I don't know. You Sorry, asked folks. me about my booty. All right. Well, let's shout out to one of our 11 listeners. 12. <laughs> 11 just rolls off the tongue better. Okay. It's from Mel Jangle. I just found this podcast searching for one with a similar name. Yes, there are a couple other podcasts that have similar names to us. And I am telling you, I did my research when we picked our name. I really did. And then a few other people had the same idea. So, you know, if you're feeling frisky, go check them out too. Sure. I work from home and listen to podcasts all day, so I'm always looking for new ones. I was hooked as soon as I heard your introduction. I got so excited when I heard you say Daniel and Melissa because that's my hubby and my name. I called Daniel in and played it for him, and he just rolled his eyes. (laughs) 
<laughs> smiled and left the room at the fact that the detail had me so excited. I would have been excited too, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, I was hoping to love the rest of the podcast and I absolutely did. Love the details, banter, and many relatable things you guys say to each other. I'm telling all my true crime fan friends about y'all. Oh, thank you. That's another y'all. Another y'all. A lot of y'alls. Oh, I love y'alls. Thank you so much. This really, really helps a lot. So what percentage of couples do you think have Daniel and Melissa? I guess that's a I guess that's not unusual, right? For a couple name? No, Melissa was very popular in the seventies and early eighties. Yeah. And most of us go by nicknames, don't go by Melissa, but I actually really like Melissa, so I made people start calling me Melissa when I was 21. (laughs) Yep. No Missy. (gasps) Stop. Don't say that. Don't say that name. Don't say it. All right, let's get into factoids. Daniel, you got some hemorrhoids? I mean, factoids for me? Well, actually, when you're talking about ages and what you come up with during the 80s and stuff is kind of what I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. And that is, okay, so we're t- it's we're kind of on the edge. We're right on the fence. We have butt splinters, <laughs> which kind of you can relate to right now. <laughs> um, Fissures. It's, no, because you have like tailbone. <laughs> I like don't, I'm okay. teasing. So Generation X technically... You go, you look at it, it's kind of ranges, but for the most part, it's like 65 to 80 is when you were born-ish, mm-hmm. but some some charts show it ends at 77, so we're right on the edge. We're 79. I'm claiming my Generation X card. Right. Even though we're at the tail end of it, we definitely, or I definitely, I don't want to speak for you, darling. No, because you But you're, I definitely yeah, am a Generation Xer. You are at the tailbone of it. <laughs> Stop. I am slightly <laughs> older. You Six months. By, yeah, a few months. And supposedly millennials begin around 80, 81-ish. Okay. So we're right there. We're I like right the there. beginning millennials. I'm okay with those. Because they're kind of still close to us. Yes. I think it also obviously depends on how you were brought up because then you could kind of be brought up older or... That's true. Younger. I should rephrase that. I like everybody. I honestly can get along with anybody, but the people that like you know, trip my trigger or people obviously that I can get along with the best are people that are generally in our same age group. So our time period of growing up, like our childhood really is in the eighties, but what we really remember would be more the late eighties, early nineties and early nineties. Right. That's what was more Mm -hmm. impactful to us. Yes. And that was the best time. So I'm just going to go with all the crap that we had. All right. Crap that it on people me. don't have any today. Like we're gonna go younger millennials and Generation Zers have no idea what we're talking about. All right. Well, they don't listen to us anyways. So I'm gonna start off with a fax machine. Yes. Where are fax machines? That was amazing. So the picture when I clicked on and it was listing that all this stuff. The fax machine in the picture. Picture. I literally have that fax machine, and I still use it, and it's sitting right above my head on a shelf. Yep, there it is. It's Hi. really funny. It's a Panasonic. What's up? Old it still fax works, machine? and I do use it very occasionally. Answering machines. Yeah, those are great. We we grew up. That's all you had. Answering machines. You'd just constantly go check it, right? Yes. 
Did my friends call? Right. And the fun thing to do was to make the outgoing message. Absolutely. Yes. And my family, was it my family or maybe my friend's family? I can't really remember. It's all a blur. They would do a song. Like they would come up with something fun to do on their answering machine every few weeks. Yep. And I thought that was so much fun. And now I guess we kind of do that with our Christmas cards. Yep. Okay. Well, there you go. we're, We're going backwards. Thank God. And they had the mini cassette tape in the answering machine. Those were so cute. Do you remember that? The little itty bitty tiny micro cassette tape. They're like Barbie cassette tapes. They were adorable. And then you'd lose it. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of which, cassette tapes. Those were awesome. Floppy disks oh. from the disk drives from your the early computers. Oh. And you'd blow on them. Yeah. Just like your you well, know, that was Nintendo. For more than Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. Um, pagers or beepers. Did you have a pager? I did have a pager. Mm-hmm. I had a pager. Remember, you could change the skins of the pager. Oh, it was so cool! And like the one that I had was see through. Yep. Is awesome. Polaroid, pol- start over. <laughs> Polaroid cameras. Okay, those are making a comeback. They are because what Why better not? ways to take pictures of crime scenes and not have any connection to it than with a Polaroid camera? <laughs> VHS slash VCRs. That's all we grew up on was VHS tapes. That's all we knew. I'm really sad that we got rid of all of our VHS. Tons of them. Because it takes, by the time you're, you know, 40, you've accumulated half a room full of VHS tapes. Yeah. And then you think, oh, these are going to be worth some money. No, they're not. No. The only ones that are worth any money are the squishy ones from Disney. That's true. Yeah. I hope my mom still has those. Probably not. Probably not. Mom. So actually in the 80s, the cell phone came out, Mm -hmm. but no one could afford it except super rich people. And they looked like a brick. Remember, that's what they were called, the brick? The brick. So now today, cell phones do all those things we just talked about and more. They're mini computers. They're everything. Computers. They can play movies, cameras. We could do this podcast from our phone. Yeah. It just wouldn't sound very good. I'm sure there's stuff you can attach to it. Probably. Did you ever have a Cabbage Patch doll? Of course. I can smell yeah. The Cabbage Patch Doll right now. When you said Cabbage Patch Doll, immediately I could smell it. See? My parents, it was probably my mom, went and searched for a Cabbage Patch Doll for me for Christmas when it was all the rage, when all that first started. And she was able to find me a Cabbage Patch Doll. And I'm sure spent a ton of money to get that doll. So thank you, Mom. That was awesome. That and was, my brother uh, got one too. Really? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what kind you had? They always wanted them to look like you. So I think it had blonde hair with bangs. Sure. And, you know, just super good, little cute, little yeah. cute thing. Mm-hmm. 1983 was Cabbage Patch Doll. Yes. Yep. That was it. Wow. Okay. I'm going to read off some hair bands from the 80s. Oh, we're getting into hair bands? Heck yeah. Bon Jovi, Cinderella, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, Rat, White Snake, Warrant, Quiet Riot, Van Halen. What do they all have in common? Aquanet. Yes. Oh, yes. Did you use Aquanet? Of course I used Aquanet. And my Aquanet of choice was in the purple can. Did it come in any color? Yeah, it was like pink, purple, oh, blue, okay. but I strength? always wanted the purple one. Yeah, I think that was like extra hold. 
my friend and I built a potato gun <laughs> to shoot potatoes. We live down the country. You know what we used to to cause the explosion? Aquanet? Aquanet. Mm, do you remember what can? I think it was purple. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. everyone had one under the sink, back tucked away in the corner, and it was probably 15 years old, but it still is full of just flammable gas. <laughs> right. I might have one tucked in the <laughs> underneath my sink. Probably. Aquanet was awesome. And then you would spray it on, and then after a while, you get these little white flakes yep. in your hair. But you know what? No one cared because we all knew it wasn't dandruff. It was Aquanet. I do remember that. My grandma had some, and I, w- I don't know. I was a young teenager, and I was trying to get my hair like combed and perfect. So I sprayed it on. Mm-hmm. Instantly, it's perfect, right? Uh-huh. But then if you touch it, it like cracks and all that stuff falls Just off. disintegrates. Yeah, and then you have dandruff head. Yes. Oh, well. Did you ever alter your clothes, like take per- a perfectly good set of jeans and then put holes in them? I still do that to this day, alter <laughs> clothes. <laughs> you spend good money on clothes without holes, and then you purposely put holes in them. But now it's easier to find clothes with holes in them. But back in the day, yes, I did. We would bleach them out. We would spray bleach from a water bottle. What? And just do it over and over and over again in one spot. And then you'd put them out in the sun and the bleach would kind of eat at it. And then you would use rough sandpaper and just go to town. And your jeans looked fabulous. Wow. Mm-hmm. I never did that. Yes, I did that. But hey, it's a girl thing. Probably. And then you could buy the acid wash jeans already. Yes. And they were so thin because they were acid washed. Oh. <laughs> that a lot of times you would get holes in them just from wearing them. Right. And then they're even better. Yeah, depending on where you got the hole. If you got the hole between your thighs because they rubbed together, <laughs> that was not cool. <laughs> and then I remember when my mom would be like, we can just patch them. Oh like, no, gosh. mom, let's go to Kmart and just get me a new pair, please. Do you remember boom boxes? Of course. I remember making up dances to Belle Biv DeVoe using my boombox out in the front yard. Oh my gosh. Think now, if we were if we had that technology in our age today, let's say hypothetically we I was trying to date you. Mm-hmm. Or I wanted to get your attention. If I pulled up to your house and held a boombox over my head. Oh. Oh, are you gonna say was, anything it? Say I was anything. Blasting Peter Gabriel's in oh your Oh my eyes. God, that's still my favorite song would, to this day, swear to God. Would you fall in love with me? I just fell more in love with you just because <laughs> you said that. And John Cusack, please, Ioni Sky, please. Can they remake it using the original people? 1989. Oh God, I love that movie Say so much. Anything. So much. Here's a pen. He's Take on, this he's pen on in her, remembrance of me. ex-girlfriend's front lawn. Well, she was kind of his ex-girlfriend. She kind still of. loved him, but she was leaving for school oh, okay. in London. Yes. See. You guys, say anything. Please go watch it and just remember back in the day. It was amazing. You need a silver boom box. Mm-hmm. You hold it up over your head and blast music. In your eyes. Sounds the light, the heat, your eyes. I am complete. He sounds just like you. Ooh, Peter Peter Gabriel? Yeah, that's almost spot yeah. on. Yeah, you, we, I've been told that many times. 
I bet. I can't sing, but I like to sing. That's okay. I'm not a triple threat. So what book did I get you that's sitting on our table in front of the TV in the living room? Oh, it's about malls. It's called Malls Across America. Yes, and it's just photos of malls in the 80s. It's one of my favorite things you've ever given me. It is fascinating. It is everything we just talked about wrapped up in it takes a snapshot into that period of life and that time. Because you see everyone that was wandering through malls back in the 80s, I would say late 80s, right? Probably Mm. most of those pictures. Yes. It's just nostalgic. How about going to an arcade on like a Friday night? Like that was huge. Yes. Or you would go to the mall to go to the movies. Right. You would eat in the food court and hang out in the arcade until your movie started. Yep. Is there anything else? Well, were you allowed to go to the mall? Were you allowed to just be dropped off with $5 and hang out at the mall for the day? Or you probably wouldn't yeah. have even wanted to do that. No, I did it. Oh, you did. Okay, cool. It was probably a little bit later, but not, I mean, not when we were, I'm trying to think, maybe not when you were like five, six. No, so no. So probably would have been circus 1990, 91, something about like that, 92. Double digits. Yeah. When I was about double digits. I think we could go and hang out or walk around. Or like my mom would go do her shopping and then we would just walk around. But you got dressed up to go to the mall. So yeah, so early 90s probably yeah. for us, for the for the mall stuff. Wow. And then you'd see your friends and... And that's all you talk about. Like, hey, maybe we can go to the mall this weekend. Mm-hmm. That was actually uttered. Those words were uttered. Yeah. You want to meet at the mall? I'll meet you in the food court. Wow. I'll meet you at Hot Dog on a Stick. Oh, my gosh. Orange Julius. Oh, man. <laughs> Mrs. Fields. Are any of those places still open? I don't Are know. any malls still open? Well, yeah, I think we have a mall. We have I wouldn't a mall. go there if you paid me. No way. No. Now you can just buy things online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good times. Well, thank you, Daniel. That was fun. That was, you know, I took a little walk. A it little was a jaunt. trip back to memory lane. Yeah. Trip back to our childhoods that were very, very different. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) While our parents were struggling with really high interest rates. And credit card debt. Just finding out that credit cards can get you stuff and cocaine. Oh, oh, cocaine. Blow and shoulder pads. There you go. About sums up. Sums up the 80s. (laughs) Well, thank you, Daniel. Welcome. Daniel MacArthur. Yes, Melissa. Are you ready for my case? I've been ready. All right. This is the case of Mark and Mary Beth Harshbarger. Cool. Around 7.55 p.m. on the evening of September 14th, 2006, in the beautiful Newfoundland's northern wilderness. Wait. What? I'm kind of dumb. Okay. Where the hell is Newfoundland? Newfoundland is in Canada. Eh? Oh, okay. Isn't yeah. that also a dog? Newfoundland? Yeah, there's it's a Newfoundland. Dogs. It's like a big, huge, fluffy, giant dog that is inappropriate for Bakersfield. Yeah, exactly. Because of the temperature. Okay. All right. Okay. So, well, let me tell you. I'll, I'll scroll down to where I talk about Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Okay. It's in Canada. Okay. It's an island. Oh. And it's the, the most easterly province in Canada. Gotcha. So it's 900 miles from the U.S. border. And oh, wow. in 2001, 
it became a province with Labrador. Also a dog. Yes, which is on the mainland. Okay, so Labrador is, is on the mainland. Yes, and Newfoundland's an island. an island. Gotcha. But they are in the same province together. I feel you. Yes, I actually had to do a lot of research because I didn't understand where this was taking place. So I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. Good job. Thank no, you. No, I've heard of it. I just never pictured where it is. And it's beautiful. I bet. Beautiful. I don't know why we haven't had this on our radar to go to. That sounds cold. It is far. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's cold, because it's far. Yes. Up. It's very cold, but it's just these little fishing villages, bright colors. I guess the people that live there are so nice and just, it's just a really cool place to live and to visit. Is there a road? There's lots of roads. Is there an airport? There's an airport. So yes. we don't have to drive 900 no, miles. No, we wouldn't have to drive, but there's a ferry that goes from Nova Scotia to Newfoundland. Nova Scotia is supposed to be beautiful also. Yeah. Yeah, we need to take like a couple weeks and just do Canada. Should have done that this week. We should have done that this week. Yard work and chores and. All right, let me get into this case. Sorry. All right. A hunter by the name of Mary Beth Harshbarger was standing in wait in the bed of her large truck. It was a Chevy truck. Of course it was. Okay. It was she and her husband's last day of hunting. And Mary Beth was bound and determined to finally shoot and kill herself a black bear on this trip. Wow. While her two kids waited in the cab of the truck, Mary Beth's husband of seven years and their local hunting guide went out into the forest to try to loop around the interior of the trees to push a bear out into the clearing, putting Mary Beth in the perfect position to shoot. It was now 24 minutes after sunset and only six minutes remaining before the end of legal light for hunting. Yes. The weather had turned foggy and dreary, which is actually the best time, I read, to go out there shooting because the animals kind of come alive at night. Gotcha. If Mary Beth didn't shoot and kill a black bear within those six minutes, she would go home without the grand prize. And Mary Beth was extremely competitive. If Mark got his bear, she sure as hell was going to get hers. So he already got a bear. He'd already gotten a bear that morning. Wow. Even though on this hunting trip, she had shot her a moose and a couple caribou. So she'd already shot her limit with those. Okay, hold on. With those ones. She already got a moose and a couple caribou. Yes. That sounds like an awful lot of animal. They love to hunt. A moose is huge. A moose is A gigantic. small moose is huge. Dang, and they're mean. And caribou? Caribou. Mm-hmm. Isn't and, that a reindeer? Yeah. It's, it's like in the, the reindeer family. Deer, yeah. She was killing Santa's helpers. Pretty much. Okay. All right. I'm sure they all had red noses. <laughs> so that was enough. She wanted a bear? She wanted a bear. I don't know. got a big freezer. Big old black bear. Looks like it's out there. They don't need one. It's too cold. Using a light gathering scope at close range attached to her 30-06 Weatherby Mark V Deluxe High Powered Hunting Rifle. That is quite a title. Yeah, and that's quite a gun. Yeah, that's pretty typical. Mary Beth was ready for whatever came out of the thicket. And the last words to come out of their hunting guide's mouth were, 
quote unquote, if something comes out, don't hesitate to shoot. What if it's like a um, Sasquatch? I was timing how long it would take for me to read this story without you mentioning Sasquatch. And this was about five minutes in. It's either a bear or a Sasquatch coming. Can't be anything else. Running at me right now. Right. The scope that she was using was so high powered that you were supposed to be able to see in almost complete darkness. Wow. It would gather light from anything that it could. Sure. Almost like an owl. Or black hole. (laughs) And so she could see everything with it. That's different. And it's really expensive. I bet. Suddenly, about 65 yards from the truck, Mary Beth spotted something dark and low to the ground coming out of the tree line in the tall grass and moving side to side. So you know how when bears come out, they're like... They kind of lumber They lumber, yeah, Yeah. side to side. Mary Beth double-checked her scope and took her shot. Only the dark mass did not let out a growl. It let out a human scream. So it was a Sasquatch. Mary Beth had shot a person. Uh Uh-oh, that's not good. Another figure came running out of the tree line and bet down over the figure. It was the hunting guide. He screamed to Mary Beth that she had shot her husband, 42-year-old Mark Harshbarger, and that he was dead. He shouldn't have been dressed up like a bear. Or a Sasquatch. Or a Sasquatch. Or or a bear squatch. (laughs) Mary Beth immediately began screaming, Oh, God, I've killed my love. I've killed my love. Sounds like a song. It does. I killed my love. Oh, God, I've killed my love. I've killed my love. Leaving Mark where he had fallen, the hunting guide ushered Mary Beth into the cab of the truck and he jumped into the driver's seat. There was one more person who had been out hunting with them that evening, Mark's older brother, Barry. Barry had climbed up into a blind attached to a tree just a few miles down a logging road. Okay, when I was doing my research for this, almost everybody that I read said the only way to hunt a bear is in a blind. For them to be hunting a bear trying to get it out of the forest into a clearing was kind of cheating. You're supposed to, oh. to lie in wait up in a blind. That's how you're supposed to catch bears or shoot bears. Huh. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. I could see that. Locating Barry, they told him what had happened to Mark, and the three adults and two children made their way back to where they were staying at the Moosehead Lodge near Buckins Junction, about 14 kilometers from the scene, which is about nine miles for non-metric system users. Sure. Like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was also in the 90s, by the way. Oh, yeah. They tried to bring the metric yeah. system when I was in junior high to the United States, and it blew up like a fart. They're out of their minds. I mean, why should everything just have Make a sense. base number of 10? That's so confusing. <laughs> The authorities were contacted and officers from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, or RCMP, arrived at the lodge. Since the scene was now officially cloaked in darkness, the area was roped off and an officer stood guard through the night. Okay, did I miss something? Or she shot him and then they all left? Yeah. Why didn't someone stay with him? Is he dead? He was dead. There's... Nothing they could... There was nothing they could do. He absolutely was dead. He 100% was dead. All right. The hunting guide checked him. He was dead. Okay. Around 2 a.m., more than six hours after Mark had been killed, Mary Beth was interviewed. 
She told officers that she thought Mark had been a bear. Mary Beth had seen a black bear with her naked eye come out of the woods and go back into the trees before she had her gear ready. She spotted the something dark again, low to the ground, and it was big, black, and had a rounded back. It's a Sasquatch. (laughs) So, was her husband, like, crawling along the ground? Okay, we're going to talk about it. Okay. Mary Beth assumed it was the same bear she had seen moments before. She double-checked her scope, aimed the rifle, and fired, believing that what she had shot was a bear until she heard the scream. Mary Beth admitted that it was probably too dark for them to be out there hunting at that time. After answering all the officers' questions about the accident, Mary Beth was then asked about life insurance and whether they had any. That's kind of random, right? Kind of. They immediately asked her about life insurance. Maybe they were all, you know, Dateline experts or something. Sounds like it. Mm -hmm. Maybe they listen to podcasts. Yes. Mary Beth answered yes. It just so happened that the couple had upped Mark's policy only four months before their trip. From $250,000 to $550,000. She also told them that Mark had insurance through work about a year's pay totaling $60,000, and one through New York Life that was worth $100,000, over $700,000 in all, which is close to $1 million today. Gotcha. All right. That's a big chunk of change. Okay, so who, if you're hunting, you would not go around and come back into the line of someone's fire. Right. That's not something you would do. No. For obvious reasons, clearly displayed here. Yes. So, so that's odd that she would do that, especially with another with someone who's supposedly a guide. Right. Like they wouldn't guide you into the path of a firing line. Yeah. When asked about the phone number to the insurance agents and whether they could get those numbers soon, Mary Beth said no problem. She had the State Farm agent's number memorized and the numbers for the other two policies memorized as well. Who the hell memorizes policy numbers? <laughs> Mary I don't Beth. Even... Okay, back to my factoid. Do you remember when we actually had to remember phone numbers because yes. we had to actually yes. call them? And then now it's like we can't remember anything because it's all in notes in our iPhones. So, right. Yeah. Don't lose your iPhone. Don't lose your phones. Sorry. Go ahead. Mary Beth then began to sob, crying that Mark was the love of her life. And how was she to go on? Even telling the officers that they had the perfect marriage and perfect life. They always do. That's a red flag right there. But once the tape recorder stopped, she gained her composure and asked about all the meat they had and when she could get that home. Man, she loves the meat. She likes God. the meat. Man. As soon as the sun rose over the wilderness on the morning of the 15th, officers of the RCMP were out at the scene. Mark's body and the surrounding area all matched the description from Mary Beth and their hunting guide. It was determined that Mark must have come walking out of the tree line and had changed his gait since he was stumbling through the rough terrain and mud swaying side to side and hunched over in the grass that was three to five feet high. I guess there were divots that he had had to walk through 
and maybe trying to stabilize himself was kind of going side to side in a different kind of walk. So why would the guide help to remind her that she needs to shoot first and ask questions later? It's very interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. No one would say that, especially not someone who's familiar with proper hunting. They would never say that. They would say, better to miss the shot than to risk not knowing what you're shooting at. In fact, you're not even supposed to shoot at an animal unless you know you can hit the animal in the right spot. Right. Till you see the white of its Much eyes, right? Much less hit right? the animal. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. no. Okay. Even if you were hunting, say, a deer, you don't want to take a shot at a deer if you think you're going to hit it in the wrong spot of the deer where it's going to get wounded. Yeah. It, this is a very interesting case. Okay, good. At some point, the six feet, two inch tall Mark must have looked like a bear. Was he a big guy? He is a big guy. All right. Yeah, he is a big guy. Mark's death was a horrible and tragic hunting accident caused by his wife. Um, Oops. Sure. All right. Plus, Mark had not been wearing his orange vest or any reflective gear. He was only dressed in dark jeans and a dark jacket. Well, that seems unfortunate. Okay, so these people were hunters. They hunted all the time. Yes. So for him to not be wearing the proper gear it's really fishy to me and knowing that he is going to be rolling up on his trigger happy wife who's just desperate to shoot anything that comes through the thicket and who was an amazing shot by the way i'm not walking anywhere near her no i wouldn't even stand behind her no so to me I was thinking, well, Mark must have looked like one of those circus bears that stand on their hind legs in an upright position. (laughs) But I didn't know that bears casually walked like that in the forest. Yeah. Do they walk on their hind legs in the forest? Well, in cartoons they do. (laughs) But they are Canadian bears, which means they're way cooler than our wild bears. So I'm thinking maybe Canadian bears walk on their hind legs like people. It is different up there. Yeah. No, I'm being sarcastic. I like, I like Canadian bacon. Does that help? It helps a lot. All right. Yes. No, I'm being sarcastic because bears are gigantic. I totally get that. Yeah. But Mark was six foot two inches tall. Yeah, bears don't How travel he... on their back legs. They'll get up no. and stand and look around. Yeah, to look around. But they're not going to walk like a circus bear. No. After a 36-hour investigation, the investigators ruled the shooting an accident and cleared Mary Beth of any wrongdoing. She was free to return home. Mary Beth, the two small children, and Mark's older brother, Barry, drove the 1,500 miles back to their home in the rural community of Meshopin, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I know you're shopping. <laughs> That's what it sounds um, like to me. Fifteen hundred miles. Dang, that is yeah. that is a long way to get a lot of meat. Yeah, and they are only thirty miles north of Scranton. Were they driving like a delivery truck that has a refrigerator, like a refrigerated truck? How do you? Good how do you, question. How That's do you a trans- great question. Thank you for asking that. No, they were in the truck with a cab over. Okay. And then a trailer that had a cooling, like a like a meat thing. Okay. For their pile of animals that they've killed? Yes. Freezer. They had a freezer. They're pulling a towable freezer. Yes. 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles. Mm -hmm. But seven hours of that 1,500 miles was spent on a ferry. 
Okay. And I'll get into how we so, get <laughs> This is more of an opportunity for me to help people. Um, if you go to Costco, they have wonderful cuts of steak there. Um, anything you want. Mm-hmm. Pretty good price. Um, mm-hmm. Even though meat's expensive right now, it is a lot easier and cheaper than going ferry slash truck slash towable freezer slash killing your spouse mm-hmm. in Canada to get some steaks. Just saying. Right. But I said something, you didn't even give me a reaction. It was only 30 miles north of Scranton. Oh. Yeah. That's where the office is. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we know this area considering we watch The Office constantly. No, and The Office is basically a documentary. Of Scranton. It's very accurate. Of Pennsylvania. Scranton, Pennsylvania. Even though it was filmed here in um, L.A. County. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but it's an accurate I feel, representation. I feel, because feelings are important. I feel oh, like I know Scranton. <laughs> and that is what matters. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Mark's body was taken from the scene and an autopsy was performed. The single bullet had torn through Mark's sternum and exploded his heart and spine. The bullet then exited between his shoulder blades. A perfect kill shot. Mark had died immediately. So if he's died, if he died immediately, I don't understand the I I heard him scream statement. I don't understand that because how could she have heard him scream if he had been just immediately died. I was going to ask that. Like, was a scream from him or the other dude? She says it was from him. Mark. You couldn't even take a breath to scream. And the guide was only a few yards away from Mark because he was peeing in the wilderness. He had to take a leak. And all the guide said was that he could hear the air rush out of Mark. He didn't hear, he didn't say anything about hearing him scream. He just heard the air rush out of Mark. Could that sound like a scream? No. All right, I got to move. Wouldn't say like, oh, you got me. Oh, God. You okay? No. Okay. I can do my Lamaze breathing. No kidding. Mark's body was then flown home and cremated, and his death was ruled an accidental hunting incident. It's hmm. an incident, not an accident, according to his, gotcha. his death certificate. Let's take a trip into the marriage of Mark and Mary Beth Harshberger. Yes, let's. Mm-hmm, a 1,500-mile trip. Mark and Mary Beth had met on a construction site in June of 2000 when he was 36 and she was 35. Mary Beth was on site helping her father cart scrap metal out of a school where Mark was removing asbestos. Seems typical. Yeah. Mark and Mary Beth began a friendship, discovering that they both were avid outdoorsmen. Outdoors women. Outdoorsmen. Outdoor people. Okay. (laughs) Both loved to hunt and fish. Mark asking Mary Beth to go fishing on their first date. The two became official a few short weeks later, Mark even leaving a 12-year relationship for Mary Beth. Dang. But the couple seemed to be a perfect match. Mark's family, the Harshbargers, were considered, quote unquote, gods amongst hunters. All right. I don't I don't care who you are. No one's a god amongst hunters. This family was in Pennsylvania. Wow. His father, Leonard Lee Harshbarger, is a former conservation officer and a retired regional supervisor with the Pennsylvania Game Commission. 
Oh, so they know what they're talking about. Oh, they are huge wow. in Pennsylvania. All right, all yes, right. very Guess much so. God's is yeah reasonable. It's accurate. Right. Mary Beth had grown up on a farm and fished and hunted since she was 12 years old. Mark and Mary Beth were married a year after meeting on June 23, 2001. The couple seemed happy and ready for what the future had in store for them. I even saw photos of them on their wedding day, and they were shooting clay pigeons during their reception. That does not seem unreasonable to me. I think we should have done that. <laughs> should we? Yes. <laughs> in the middle of uh, the French Quarter in New Orleans, just Absolutely. start shooting clay pigeons? Yeah, people are used to That would shots. go over well. Yeah, oh, that's fine. Well, now, yeah. Yeah, so she's in her wedding dress, her big old wedding dress, and shooting clay pigeons. Isn't that funny? That's how you know you found yourself a good woman. Yeah. Like she can shoot even in her dress. Mm-hmm. Or naked. Or without it. I was going to say I that. know you were. All right. Soon after they said, I do, Mary Beth was pregnant with she and Mark's first child. Mary Beth did have a daughter from a previous relationship. Okay. Mm-hmm. All seemed well until Mary Beth was advised by her doctors to stop taking her medication for her bipolar disorder, which she had been diagnosed with when she was in her 20s. Dang. Bipolar disorder is a mood disorder characterized by periods of depression and periods of elevated happiness, and each can last up to days or weeks. Medical professionals believe that bipolar disorder is genetic and environmental. The disorder can be controlled with the proper medication, but the medication is known to have side effects on pregnant women and the babies that they are carrying. Uh Uh-oh. In the past, while off her medication, Mary had once driven a vehicle at top speed into the house of a former boyfriend. That's, yeah. I mean, that's probably overreacting a bit. Yeah. She even strangled a teenage girl into unconsciousness because she had the audacity to talk to Mary Beth's boyfriend. Wow. And she one time had shot another boyfriend in the leg because she was upset at him. Okay. Yeah. I'm starting to get a picture of this woman. It seemed like when she was off her bipolar medication, she took she took out her frustrations on the men in her life. And Mark was no exception. And she used the tools she had around her, namely guns that she was really good with. Guns and cars in her hands. See? Mary Beth would become manic, not sleeping for two to three days, making impulsive decisions like expensive purchases. She would be abnormally energetic and irritable. Then came the crash, which would leave Mary Beth in a depressive state. Fun. It's horrible. Oh, anybody experiencing bipolar disorder, I'm, my heart goes out to you. That's just really hard. But thank God we have medication that, you know, really stabilize people and right. that they can have these really full lives as long as they remain on their medication. They, right. mm-hmm. Mary Beth began experiencing horrible mood swings and a very aggressive temper. Mark's family witnessing many occasions of Mary Beth flying off the handle, and even assaulting Mark, one time continually slapping him in the face until the corners of his mouth started to bleed. Mark would calmly remove Mary Beth from the situation or take her for a long drive in their Jeep, only returning when she felt better. After their baby girl was born in 2002, Mary Beth went back on her medication and all was well once more. Huh. The couple even began shooting competitively again, and both earned a spot on the coveted Pennsylvania Thousand Yard Club. 
In order to gain entry into this club, you have to consistently hit a target a thousand yards away, which is really hard to do. Yeah. The couple even decided to start building their dream home together. Uh, that's where it starts What's to come apart. What's with these dream no, homes? But, yeah, see, that's the thing. Is you- I mean, if that's your dream, get another dream. Like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be about a house, should it? But it's, but okay, but with a house, you mm-hmm. can visualize it, you can... You can see it coming together. So it's like you can actually physically build your relationship uh, with in a, the house. Form of a house. Right. I just, I have a problem when people say, oh, this is our dream home. Yeah. It's like, okay, but it's just a home. It's just a house. And in 10 years, it's going to be out of style. So you got to remodel it. Exactly. And change it. It's awesome that we're in our dream home. No, God, no. I will never say that any place we live is our dream home. We're going to live in this house forever. No, I want to live in a condo in Las Vegas (laughs) (laughs) with no yard (laughs) and only one bedroom so our kids can't visit. With no door. With no door. (laughs) And then we tell them to come over anytime. Uh, You're welcome to stay with us. Anytime. That sounded mean. In the spring of 2005, their new home was nearly complete and Mary Beth was pregnant again. But by August of that year, after having to discontinue taking her bipolar medication because of the pregnancy, Mary Beth's mental state was extremely dangerous to not only her, but to everyone who encountered her. Did I say encountered weird? Encountered? Yes, to everyone who encountered her. Mark finally drove Mary Beth to a mental facility in Carbondale to receive treatment, but Mary Beth had to admit herself into the facility. If Mark admitted her, she would never be able to purchase or obtain a firearm again, let alone use one to hunt or compete with. Oh, yes. Okay. So she had to admit herself. And, and then to him, that's more important that she can still have access to guns and to her too. Okay. I think it was more of an ultimatum like, hey, look, you need to go into this facility. So either I'm going to admit you and then you're not going to be ever be able to hunt or do anything again, or you have to admit yourself and then you can still go on with your life after this. I know it's easy to sit and looking back is hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I can tell you right now, if you started going getting crazy, yeah, I don't know that I'd be too comfortable making sure you had guns in your hand. No. I'm just saying. No. I No, I completely understand. Like, and yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know where your guns It'd went, be honey. the same way. If the roles were reversed, it'd be the same way. Yep. Mary Beth spent a few days in the care of medical professionals, and they agreed to let Mary Beth back on her bipolar medication. The risks of her not being on the medication outnumbered the risks of the possibility that the new baby would have side effects. So it was bad. In January of 2006, Mary Beth gave birth to a healthy and happy baby boy. Gotcha. Cool. So it all worked out. All right. A few weeks later, the couple began planning a hunting trip to one of their most favorite areas to hunt, the wilderness of Newfoundland. Wait, wait, wait. She just had a baby. Yes. And they decide they need to go hunting. Yes. In just a few weeks. Well. All right. By September, they figured the new baby would be old enough to make the 1,500-mile journey from Pennsylvania. So the baby would be over six months old by the time they went. So they figured he was old enough to travel. Who's watching the baby while they're out hunting? He was Bears. In the, he was in the cab of the truck. So she'd just slip off, I'm assuming, breastfeed, 
And no, not everybody breastfeeds. And, no, I, I'm just throwing that out there. And then, and then she's like, okay, now I'm going to go back out and start shooting again. They would probably take turns <laughs> staying with the kids. Sh- oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. staying with the kids in the car or near the car. No, I know. I have a lot of questions about this as well. Since money was tight from the hundreds of thousands of dollars they had spent on the new house, Mary Beth made a deal with the owner of the Moosehead Lodge. They would sleep in their camper and make their own meals in return for paying less for use of the land and facilities. With price of fuel, tags to kill bear, moose, and caribou, food and meals, plus the round-trip ferry tickets from Sydney, Nova Scotia to Newfoundland, the trip would be costing the Harsh Bargers almost $10,000 for a little over a week. Wow. Dang. That's like a two-week vacation to Europe. Including food and that someone else prepared for you. You don't even have to shoot it. What Are you talking about their trip or like a trip to Europe? If we went on a trip to Europe. Oh, yeah. That would include food and I wouldn't have to kill it. $10,000. If that's your thing, if hunting is your thing and fishing, like, that's all you. That's awesome. I don't understand it. I honestly don't. I don't understand spending that amount of money. You've never had a caribou burger. I've never had a caribou burger. See? But if we go to Newfoundland, I will, of course, try a caribou burger. When the Harsh Burgers finally arrived at Moosehead Lodge in early September, the staff and other guests said that they were a sweet family and often heard Mark and Mary Beth shout to one another, I love you, if they were leaving each other for even a minute or two. Oh, God. For the next week, the trip was going well. Mark, Mary Beth, and Mark's brother, Barry, had all shot their limit except for a black bear. But on the morning of their last day, the 14th, Mark shot and killed a bear. It was a smaller bear. I'll show you a picture of it. It's considered a smaller bear, but it was still a bear. Yeah. Leaving Mary Beth and Barry to spend the rest of the day trying to get their bear, which is why they were still hunting after dusk. Yep. Guess what happened after Mary Beth, the children, and Barry returned home from their vacation? Their death vacation. Uh, what happened? Barry left his wife of 20 years and moved in with Mary Beth. But he says he moved in to help with the children and not because he and Mary Beth were banging. Oh, gotcha. I'm glad you told me that. Yeah, that's what he says. He says, no, there wasn't any romantic loving going on. I just didn't want to be with my wife of 20 years anymore. And I used that opportunity to get out of it. See, I thought you were going to say that it was... Or at least throw in the fact that there's the guide oh. that ushered Mark kind of in the line of fire and oh. then mysteriously had to go pee. That maybe Mary Beth and he and, were bumping uglies. Yeah, and instructed her to make sure no matter what that she shoots at anything that comes out. Oh, right? look at you. So there's always that little plausible deniability. Right. I didn't even think of I that. I haven't heard anyone mention the guide. No, because I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you what you need to know from the guy. All right. All right. I got to switch butt sides. Sure. Ooh. All right. It's like having a baby. Kind of. I'll tell you something about Mark's family, though. Okay. They 100% believe that Mary Beth shooting Mark was not an accident and that she had murdered him. Good. Yeah. Finally. Yes. Someone's like, you know what? I something. I don't think that's true. 
and they were not going to stop annoying the RCMP until they got Mark's case reopened and examined more closely. The family began collecting statements from some of Mark's friends and co-workers who said that the months and weeks leading up to the hunting trip, Mark had told a few people that he believed that Mary Beth was going to kill him. What? Especially after they had raised his life insurance payout. They also found CCTV footage of Mary Beth and Barry making out and canoodling at a local bar after they returned home from Canada. Oh, a canoodle? A canoodle. They were like all like on on each other, like rubbing his shoulders. I think he looked like he was like patting her butt. They were touching noodles. (laughs) Even though they swore up and down that they were not in a romantic relationship. Gotcha. I think canoodling is something you do in a canoe. No, canoodling is like rubbing faces and necking and stuff. Licking eyelids. (laughs) With enough constant pressure being brought down by the Harshbarger family, especially Mark's oldest brother, Dean. This brother, Dean, who's the oldest brother, he, number one, did not like Mary Beth. He hated her. And number two, he was pissed at his brother, Barry, because he knew they were sleeping together. And then number three, he knew that his brother was murdered. Like, he just knew it in his gut. And so he would call almost every day and bug the constable who was in charge of this case. Yep. Bug them every day about it. Mary Beth's family, though, her dad was like super hunter head of the... No, 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 no. That was Mark's dad. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. this is Cut about Mark's out. family. Sorry. Yeah, missed... Mary's family have nothing to do okay, with this story. Erase all that. Yeah, that's okay. The Canadian authorities reopened Mark's case in September of 2007, a full year after Mark's death. A couple of the RCMP investigators flew down to Mishopin. I feel like I'm saying that wrong, but I swear I looked it up on YouTube. Okay and began asking their own questions. They were soon getting the same stories from people around town, and a few and a few townspeople even stated that they believed Mary Beth was still upset about Mark making her commit herself into that psychiatric facility while pregnant, and that she must have shot him to, quote-unquote, get even. She shot him because he was concerned? Yeah, because she was still pissed at him for making her admit herself into the mental facility. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were even told about Mary Beth's aggressive behavior towards the other men in her life. And by this point, Mary Beth and Barry had been living together for over a year, which to the RMCP seemed suspicious. You think? Especially with the footage they were shown of the two of them kissing in a local bar soon after Mark was killed. The officers were also informed that by October of 2006, only a couple weeks after Mark's death, Mary Beth had already filed claims to the life insurance money and the other policies, which was relatively fast for a mourning widow. Yes. And Barry was interviewed by the RCMP during their visit to Pennsylvania, and he told them that he was just helping out with the kids and Mark's farm, feeding his cows. He was feeding the cows. That's why he was there. He was feeding the wife, too. I mean, you know, she needs she needed help. <laughs> but the officers had also heard around town that Barry had been bragging about he and Mary Beth's old people's sex life. Gross. Old people? Yeah, they. he was in his 50s. Oh. Isn't that gross? And how old was Do she? Do not brag about your sex life 
No. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear it. How old would she have been, you think? She was 45, 46 mm-hmm. by this time. Yeah. Pretty old. <laughs> Shut up. (laughs) Without any hard evidence, the investigators flew back to Newfoundland. They just didn't have enough evidence to take her to trial. So they went back to Canada. But they went back to Canada with a plan. Good for them. In a surprise twist of events, on April 30th, 2008, RCMP was able to bring Mary Beth up on charges of criminal negligence, causing death and careless use of a firearm. Which, if convicted, can carry a possible life sentence. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Mary Beth and her attorneys spent the next two years fighting extradition because Mark's death was in another country, Canada. Um, mm-hmm. So okay. she would have to be extradited to Canada. So you can fight that and do appeals and all that kind of stuff. Right. Mary Beth even filed a habeas corpus petition in the district court that challenged the magistrate judge's reliance on the affidavits as hearsay evidence, which Mary Beth argued was insufficient to support a finding of probable cause under the applicable extradition treaty. The petition was denied, and Mary Beth was extradited to Canada to stand trial. Nice. Do you know what a habeas corpus is? I used to, but off the top of my head, I can't think what it is. Okay. It basically states that an individual can report an unlawful detention or imprisonment to a court and request to be brought in front of a judge to determine whether the charge or imprisonment is lawful. Oh, okay. I want to read the magistrate judge's findings that brought on the charge of criminal negligence. Good. Are you ready? Number one. The fact that the defendant was aware her husband was in the bush at the time she took the fatal shot. Number two, the defendant's admission to the Canadian authorities that she should have not fired the shot. Number three, statements by Canadian investigators to the effect that they would not have taken the fatal shot under all the attendant circumstances. Number four, the fact that she took the fatal shot after sunset, notwithstanding the fact that she that shooting at that time was not in itself a violation of law or negligence per se. Number five, the fact that her husband with whom she was traveling was not wearing orange hunting clothes. Number six, the fact that any number of Canadian investigators reenacting the alleged crime saw an ambiguous black mass from which one might fairly infer that the defendant took her shot notwithstanding that the identity of what she saw was ambiguous even as to her. So she didn't know what she was shooting at. Number seven, the fact that despite defendants' claims that she saw or thought she saw a bear, no bear tracks were found by the Canadian investigator on the scene, although human footprints were visible on the ground. So she made it up. And eight, the fact that the defendant was apparently a competent, if not excellent shot, even at a distance, who had in fact killed a caribou during the course of the same hunting trip from which one might reasonably infer that she knew the consequences of firing her gun could be fatal to a human being. Yeah. That's what made the judge say, yeah, we're bringing her in for trial for criminal negligence. On September 13th, 2010, almost four years to the day that Mark was killed, Mary Beth went on trial. She and her attorney decided to forego a jury and leave the finding up to just a judge. 
Since the trial was in Canada, the judge was only allowed to hear testimony and statements that were just from the events that took place in Newfoundland. So all her mental health issues, Mark's statements about fearing for his life, the abuse Mark had suffered, Mary Beth and Barry living together after returning home, and the hefty life insurance policies were not allowed in as evidence. So just because they wanted to do that, they agreed? Because she's being tried in Canada. Oh, I mean, do you get a choice? No, no. Oh. The judge was only to hear about the events that took place in Canada, nothing else. But it's says she and her attorney decided to forego a jury. Yeah, they decided so to they forego had a, attorney. They had a choice. They had a choice between a jury or or just a judge, and they chose just a judge because, because okay. this case had gotten so much press in right. Newfoundland that they did not believe that she would get a fair trial. So they went right. just with a judge. But because this was taking place in Canada, they were only to talk about what had happened in Canada. Oh, Nothing else. Okay. Nothing about the United States. They can't introduce any other evidence from no. the United Okay. No. Makes sense. All right. Really, the only evidence against Mary Beth was her taped interview where she talks about it possibly being too dark for her to be shooting a firearm safely. That's it. That's what? the only real evidence they have because the hunting guide was saying nothing, really. He was just saying that, yeah, it was probably too dark, but we followed all the rules and he was at no fault. Other than he led Mark into her line of fire, knowing he didn't have any reflective vest on. Or... I don't know. They never went after that hunting did, guide. The, I mean, ever. And is Mark that dumb that he would go out? In the dark, basically. I don't know. That's something we'll talk more about. No, I know. I get where you're going, and we'll talk more about this. Okay? The prosecuting attorney even asked witnesses loaded and leading questions about how dark it was. Questions like, well, without an orange vest or reflective gear, Mark would have looked like a dark mask that could be mistaken as a bear. Things like that. Uh So what the prosecuting attorney was really alluding to And what the defense was alluding to was that it was Mark's fault that he was shot. Mark was the one that was negligent, not Mary Beth. That because he was not wearing an orange vest or reflective gear, it was automatically his fault. My question is, and my question has been this whole entire time I've been doing this research, is why didn't he wear the orange vest or reflective gear? He was an avid hunter. And he knew the rules and followed them to a T. Why was he not in hunting gear? Good question. What happened? Hmm. There had to have been a moment where he made that decision to not put that vest on. So what happened in that moment? Or did he forget it back at the lodge? Those are my questions that I have. What happened in that short amount of time that he thought, I'm going to go out into the wilderness during hunting season and not wearing the appropriate gear that I should be wearing. Knowing that my wife's trigger happy. Knowing that I'm trying to flush out a bear for my wife so that she could get her bear on this trip. And that the hunting guide was okay with him being out there without proper gear on. Yeah. It just seems really kind of fishy to me. The other thing that's odd... Mm-hmm. Is let's assume this is premeditated okay. by her. Like right. she went on the trip in the back of her mind going, if I have a chance, I'm going to kill him. 
Mm, right? Mm-hmm, right. But I'm going to see what happens. Was she just that lucky that he happened to come through the bushes without an orange vest on and therefore she could then go, oh my gosh, I could shoot him. And then that's plausible deniability. I can go, oh my mm. gosh, he was dark. I thought it was a bear. And they'll go, well, that was stupid of him. And that was a horrible tragedy, but right. it's not your fault. And that's what I mean. Did she accidentally forget his vest or did she misplace it or hide it from him? Or what had, the, that's what's driving me crazy is I cannot find these answers. I cannot find anything right. that states that anybody asked her this question or asked the hunting guide or even Barry. Nobody asked the question of what happened when they pulled up to the spot and everybody got out of the truck. Nobody asked this question. Why wasn't he wearing that orange vest? Hmm. Yeah, because there has to be an answer and I cannot find it. And it's yeah. driving me freaking bonkers. Bonkers. Okay, so don't um, don't go hunting without the proper gear on, people. Correct. Don't dress up as a bear if you're going bear hunting. <laughs> or even a Sasquatch. Don't dress up. Oh, even worse. Yeah. Up there, they're real. Oh, okay. They're just men who live in, in the wilderness. Probably. Yeah. And just, you know. And women. Went up there to kind of be alone. Why does it always have cabin. to be men? Why couldn't it be a woman? That's true. Very much could be a hairy woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mary Beth also had that crazy light gathering scope and was so desperate to bag a bear that she had two little kids, one being seven months old, in the cab of a truck at night, nine miles up a desolate logging road, trying to shoot a bear. I'm not even that great of a mom, and I know that that's wrong. It seems like her focus is a little misplaced, yes. Yeah. yeah. It was a seven-month-old and a four-year-old. Who's watching them? She is from the back of the truck, I guess. I just seems... Can't, I mean, I'll let, you can't... I mean... I don't want to be a big old, truck. like, judgy, judgy pants of parenting because I have no room to talk. But it just seemed so crazy to me that they had these two little kids uh-huh. out in a desolate area right when it's getting dark and they're shooting guns trying to find a bear. Uh-huh. I don't know. Am I just being judgy? No, I think you're okay in this case. Okay. You can judge a little. A tiny bit? Just a little bit. Okay. Don't go much farther, though. I'm judging just a tiny bit. And I'm sure Mary Beth and Mark are great parents, and Mary Beth is a great parent. Were. Or were. Well, she's still alive, but. He's not. All right. Well, here you go. Ready for this? Yes. On October 1st, 2010, Mary Beth was acquitted of all charges and was free to go home. To her loving assistant, Barry. Actually, fun fact. Oh, oh, what's that? Here we go. All right. Barry and a babysitter had taken care of the kids while Mary Beth was in jail and on trial in Canada because she was gone for six months. Tell me he fell in love with the babysitter. During that time, Barry and the babysitter had started a relationship. Barry moved Ah. out of Mark and Mary Beth's home right before she returned from Canada. He even knocked up the babysitter and married her, and he was in his 50s. Dang. Yeah. What a stud. You know what? I guess Barry's kind of a piece in a rural back, back area of Pennsylvania. He's a piece. Wowzers. Yeah. (laughs) i'll show her so did did anything happen to barry though they never thought he had any hand in this at all 
Oh, good question. Um, no, I could not find that anybody suspected Barry of doing any sort of wrongdoing. And nobody is really talking about whether Barry and Mary Beth were having an affair even before they left on the trip. Wow. So somehow they fell in love on that 1,500-mile home trip with all that meat in the back. Dang. Mm -hmm. They bonded over meat and the death of his brother. So she still got to keep all the insurance money, right? Mm -hmm. All the Yes, because she was not convicted of his murder or negligence or anything like that. So she got all that money. And Barry was like, eh. She's bipolar, she's got kids, there's right. a lot of baggage. Oh, I'm going to start over with the uh, babysitter and have a kid with her. Yeah, well, he had at one point had a restraining order against Mary Beth because he was oh. afraid for his life. And then there was there was no proof, there was no evidence, so, so they dropped it. So that's really his fears. I'm going to get out of here before she kills me. Yeah. And he doesn't have any kids <laughs> prior, I mean- I believe right? he had kids with his wife beforehand. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The wife that he had left that he had been married to for over 20 years. Gotcha. Another fun fact. Ready for this one? I don't know how much more of these fun facts I can handle. You remember that bear that Mark shot on the last day of their trip? Yes. Mary Beth had it stuffed and mounted as a reminder and remembrance of Mark. Of course she did. That seems kind of morbid to me. So there's, do you think it's like the bear head with the um, fur on the middle of the living room floor? No, it's fully a stuffed bear mounted, like the whole body. Isn't that wild? Lots a lot of bear stuffed to be. I would probably stuff you and put you in the corner. That'd be weird. Would it though? I don't know. Maybe petting the bear. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. That would be passed down from generation to generation. There's Grandpa MacArthur petting his bear. Daniel, what did you think of my case? I don't want to go hunting with a bipolar, recently bearing children crazy woman anymore. (laughs) I did before. Now I don't. That was your dream? Even if she claims to be a really good shot. It just seemed like a lot could have gone wrong in that seven days, and something did. Okay, but here's me, okay? I've never hunted. We've gone shooting before, but it's not like it doesn't get me going, right? Just not a thing. That was her thing. They were willing to take two little kids on this crazy journey 1,500 miles away Mm -hmm. to go shooting. So this was their passion. This is what they really love to do. So for us, I just don't understand that. And so I can sit here and be judgy, but I also have to admit, I don't understand it. Uh -uh. I don't understand that passion. So taking your kids that far away just seems awful. A little bit. Awful. Especially a seven-month-old. Holy moly. And she was probably sleep-deprived. Because they had a seven-month-old. That's true. Yeah, I would have put that into evidence, too. Yeah. So it was Hmm. really sad. And when you hear Mark's family, especially his brother Dean and his dad Lee, when you hear them talk about Mark, he was just the apple of their eye. He was the youngest sibling, and he was the most like his dad. So when you hear his dad talk about Mark, it just really 
breaks your heart. So now she has to bring up her kids alone, and they'll always go, well, where's dad? she go, I shot him. And well, yeah, that's always going to linger. I shot him when you were just a couple of months old. Yeah. You watched. I wonder how she talks about Mark to those kids. I wonder if she's like, oh, your daddy was so wonderful. Or she's like, eh, oh, God, I hit my mic again. I'm talking with my hands too much. I hope she's she talks very fondly of Mark to those kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully it truly was an accident. Yes, but hopefully. But I find it a little hard to believe. It's a little fishy. Well, that was their fishing trip. Oh, yeah. Because they did like to fish. <laughs> See, yes. I think the fishing trip would be easier to get rid of somebody. You just throw them overboard? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. All my information from this case came from a bunch of articles that I read, and there was a Snapped episode, and there's a Dateline episode. So if you want to hear more about this case, if you want to visualize go check it out. It. Yes. And Newfoundland, if we have any listeners in Newfoundland, looks beautiful. And you probably know we'll be some out there details someday. to this case. Yeah. It's probably a famous case because I'm guessing this doesn't happen that often out there. No, it really doesn't. It's a pretty safe place. I don't to know what the population live. of Newfoundland is. What is it? 400,000, 400, I believe. Is that a large area? I don't know. I'm sorry. I think it's pretty big. They call it the rock. It's a big, it's a big place. Oh, okay. it is. Like Alca- it actually is. It's really, really big. Like you know Alcatraz. what? I wrote it all down in my notes, but of course I'm going to have to dig through oh, okay. no, pages and pages of notes. Don't it dig. is. So we have a mini series recommendation this week. Do you want to talk about it? Because I made you watch it. Yeah. And it's actually fascinating. It's called. Inventing Anna. Invent. I thought I was making. <laughs> it's called Inventing Anna which I'm normally not a big fan of miniseries because I just don't have the attention to see it through. But you sat there. I did. For 10 hours. So it's fascinating because I think we all know someone like that. Definitely. In our life that is capable of faking it till you make it. Yep. And we all want to believe something. So we cast aside all the reality and the signs because it doesn't matter. Once you've decided you want something to be a certain way, you'll make it so. Fascinating miniseries. And if you don't know the story, it's this young girl who kind of made herself up to be this German heiress. And she was trying to start this millionaire's club in New York and like had all this backing coming in from really rich people. And she was just, she like played all these people. She pulled it off without a penny to her name. Yeah, it was just fascinating to watch. And the just the power of social media. Yeah. And it it yeah. was amazing. It was an amazing watch. So I highly recommend it. The, and the power act- of influence. The power and if you of know influence. people who know people who know people, mm-hmm. you can get, she showed, you can almost get to the top Definitely. with nothing because people right. just assume. Yeah. They assume the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you spend money. You must be someone, so therefore you belong in their circle. Even if you don't have a penny to Even your name. Even if you have a penny. Anyways, I guess we've gone on too long about this one, right? Yes, we have. Okay, well, I hope you guys really enjoyed this case, and it was crazy, and I'm glad to be done with Mary Beth. Everyone's ready to be done with Mary Beth. (laughs) Especially Barry. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for all the love and support. We really appreciate it. Oh, my gosh, you guys. You are coming through like rock stars. 
whatever that's like. We wouldn't know. I don't know. I'm not a rock star. Yes, you are. Look at you in your rock star shirt. My shirt says, um, not today, Satan. That's kind of rock starish. Kinda, kinda. Yeah. A little Ozzy Osbourne, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, thanks for listening. We said that already. Oh, did I? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess this is it. So be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.